Hello, and welcome to the Amsterdam Mamas podcast, bringing you interviews, conversations, and tips about all things parenting in Amsterdam and beyond. For international families, we're your voice in the village. I'm Catherine Peretta. And I'm Donna Bardsley. And I'm Nerissa Mouse. And today on the podcast, what's up with the scooters? We talked to Amsterdam Mama's go-to bike expert, Henry Cutler, about the nearly impossible not to notice problem of scooters in the bike paths of Amsterdam. About how they came to be there in the first place, what makes it so complicated to do anything about it, and about biking and safety in general in the Netherlands. We also answer a listener question. And we have a hello and goodbye to say on our podcast team. Stay with us. The Amsterdam Mamas podcast is supported in part by Booking.com. With the summer holidays coming up, if you live in Amsterdam, it's likely that you've got family coming to stay and know where to put them. To help them find the perfect place in Amsterdam that's not your living room floor, send them the link Booking.com slash Amsterdam Mamas and you'll not only be solving your house guest problem, but helping to support Amsterdam Mamas too. We will receive a small percentage from each booking made via Booking.com slash Amsterdam Mamas. So do share with all your friends and family today. Okay, we have some announcements today. So to begin, save the date for Get Set Go, Amsterdam Mama's annual activity fair, which is happening this year on Sunday, June 11th. We hope to see you there. Next, the Amsterdam Mama's volunteer drive will be on Friday, May 19th from 10 to 12. The event will take place at the Amsterdam Mama's headquarters in Zoud. If you would like to know more about the roles we have available at the moment or know someone who would like to volunteer for Amsterdam Mamas, then email volunteer at amsterdam-mamas.nl for details. And we have one final exciting announcement. So we'd like to officially welcome Nerissa to the podcast. Though we've already featured her on previous episodes, this is her first episode in the host seat. And we're thrilled to bring Nerissa on to the podcast. So, Nerissa, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners officially? Okay. Well, thanks very much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, I'm an Australian and I've been living here in Almira, actually, for about nine years. And I have a daughter who's five and a terribly handsome husband. And I'm a project manager by day and crochet designer by night. Oh, of course. I'm addicted to podcasts. Welcome, Narissa. We're really excited to have you join us. Well, I'm really excited too. Well, I'm also sad to announce that this is Donna's last official episode as she will be leaving Amsterdam soon and moving back to the US. Yes, that's why we're bringing Narissa on to replace me. And I'm, I'm still in denial, definitely, about the whole thing. But I'm also totally confident that I'm leaving the podcast in good hands and really excited to see what you guys do from here on out. So. We have big boots to fill. Yeah. <laughs> I would say boots that never knew what they were doing. So <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> that's good for you guys. We're going to miss you, Donna. I will miss you guys too. And this podcast for sure. I'll be listening in Seattle. Mm. <laughs> Makes me nervous. <laughs> So I understand we received a listener question. Yes. Yeah, so we had a listener, Susan, write in to ask, how can parents bring grandparents to live in Amsterdam if they're from the USA. So there are a couple of different ways. The grandparents can retire to the Netherlands, but they will have had to have spent some time living here first to be able to qualify to do that. Or the person living here can sponsor the grandparents. So to do that, you have to either be Dutch or have a Dutch residence permit. 
uh, the grandparent has to be single and 65 and over. So you can't bring both grandparents if they're together and both still alive. And you also have to meet the minimum income requirements, which at the moment is 1,551 euros per month, excluding tax and holidays. 51 euros. 1,551. Don't forget that one. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so you'd say that's mostly for a caregiver, for a, maybe an invalid grandparent. And the other way that I found is that you can come as an investor. And to do that, you have to be able to invest one and a quarter million euros into a Dutch company, essentially a startup. And the investment, of course, has to be made with legally obtained funds. So no, uh, no money laundering grandparents <laughs> no. coming over. Check. Right. <laughs> exactly. So the most um, beneficial way to get the current information is to go to the IND website. And that is ind.nl slash en for English. Well, there you go, Susan. As always, if you have a question you'd like us to answer, send us an email at podcast at amsterdam-mamas.nl or record us a quick voicemail by going to amsterdam-mamas.nl, clicking on podcast, and then submissions and contact. Okay, time for today's topic. Hi, Olivia, where are we today? In the Vondel Park. And what are we going to do? Um, count bikes. Okay, so let's set a timer and we'll count how many bikes go by. How many do you think are going to go by? Three. Three? Okay. Ready, set, go. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Look, eight. Eight. This is my daughter, Olivia. She's three, and we're really putting her counting skills to the test by counting the number of bikes we see in two minutes in the Vondel Park. Ten. Eleven. Twelve. If you're going to practice counting with a three-year-old in Amsterdam, perhaps bikes are not for the beginner level. A hundred. Um, not quite. Nineteen. That was a big group. 19. Okay. What, what is this one? 20. It doesn't even take two minutes for any visitor to the city to notice the sheer number of bikes in Amsterdam. 21. City officials estimate that there are now more bikes in Amsterdam 22. than people. In 2014, the city of Amsterdam did its own bike counting exercise and monitored nine major intersections for one hour. They counted a total of 18,500 cyclists, and that wasn't even at peak travel time. Olivia and I didn't count anywhere near that figure, but in two minutes we saw way more bikes than I would have seen in an entire day in my hometown in the U.S. 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, this is a big group, 39, 40, 41, 42, 43, 45, 44 and 45. Let's go. Okay. That was exactly two minutes. Was that a lot of bikes? How many? 20. I think over 40 in two minutes. Wow. Thanks for recording. <laughs> that was adorable. <laughs> Um, well, the part you guys missed was the not-so-adorable first attempt when we were both completely covered in bird poop. 
<laughs> it's good luck, you know. Yeah. Uh, I hope that was recorded and uh, will be one for the blooper reel. Uh, but did you see, did you guys see anything crazy or interesting, like someone carrying a sectional couch or anything like that? Um, well, not this time, I don't think. But uh, not that long ago, I saw someone biking down my street with uh, two cat carriers on either side, uh, holding them in each hand and biking with no hands. Cats were inside. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, you've, you've lived here longer, Narissa. What's the craziest thing you've seen on a bike? Oh, goodness. I don't know. I know people go back and forth to Ikea on their bikes. Um, I've been to the Praxis and carried home a big sheet of plywood that was about one and a half metres by two metres or something under my arm. Wow, that's pretty impressive. I feel pretty integrated. (laughs) (laughs) I also went to Ikea and came back with a big area rug, which I schlepped home on my bike, then found out it was the wrong size and schlepped it back (laughs) to Ikea and then bought the right size and came back. So I got to do three trips with a huge area rug. The only way that could be like totally Amsterdam is if it was raining. Right. Also, if I was talking on my cell phone and had at least two kids on the yeah. bike too. And yeah. a bunch of flowers. Right. Don't forget the flowers. <laughs> um, what did you guys both think of biking when you first moved here? I'm assuming you didn't bike before because all of us come from car cultures. Yeah, not really. I didn't bike. From, I always had a bike growing up, but didn't really bike as an adult because I had a car. Right. But I didn't have a car or a license when I first moved here. So the a bike was my main form of transportation for about seven years. So I'm used to it now. Wow. I think I had the opposite experience. <laughs> I moved here and was terrified to bike. Oh, and well. it took me forever I think before I got a bike. That makes sense because Amsterdam is pretty scary. It's aggressive. If you're not from here, don't grow up here, not used to the People everywhere in the trams and the cars and the scooters. Scooters. That brings us to our interview for hey, today. How's that for a segue? <laughs> that was totally natural. You're well on your way to pro podcasting, Narissa. Yeah, so so our theme this season has been imperfection. And though Amsterdam is world famous for its bike-friendly culture, it's not quite biking in Shangri-La. And even within the Netherlands, Amsterdam is not among the top Dutch cities for biking. With so many people in such a small space and so many different types of transportation, like you just mentioned, um, it's just a challenge. So our interview today aims to delve into some of the challenges of biking and transportation planning in Amsterdam. And our guest for this episode was so enamored with cycling when he first moved to the Netherlands 16 years ago that he wanted to find a way to spread the Dutch cycling culture to the rest of the world. So he quit his job, began building and designing bikes, and now sells his bikes, not just to Amsterdamers, but to customers all over the world as well. Henry Cutler is the founder of Work Cycles and is a hardcore cycling enthusiast. I sat down with him in his shop recently to talk about the current cycling issues in Amsterdam. Henry, welcome to the podcast and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So what is the the biggest issue in Amsterdam right now? Scooters, without any yeah. doubt, yeah. scooters. It's a, it's, a, it's a huge problem. It's a safety issue. It's a pollution issue. It's a class issue also. You definitely have the more educated riding bicycles and the less educated riding the scooters. And then, of course, we have vested interests who want to maintain the status quo. But the, the, the odd thing here is that the status quo is actually a, a loophole in the law. Once upon a time, they had two different categories of scooters. 
or, or small motorized vehicles. You had the tiny little mopeds, the Velosolexes, what they call Spartamet. And these were basically a bicycle with a helper motor on it. Okay, almost like yeah. the electric like, bikes today now. Yeah, okay. exactly. And these were uh, mostly ridden by old ladies with a little basket in the front for your flowers and your groceries and stuff. And the things couldn't get out of their own way. They would go 25 kilometers an hour if you beat them to death, basically. <laughs> okay, and, and, and no self self-respecting youth or younger person would ever be seen on such a thing. They just weren't a problem. And they, yeah. So an exception was made. Actually, a special class of vehicle was created for those. They can go on the bicycle paths. And it was not an issue. And from the 50s or 60s until the 2000s, this it coexisted. It was no issue. You had scooters and those were your Vespas and your fast things. And they went on the street. You put on your helmet. You get on your scooter. You go fast on the street. It's no problem. Or you get on your little moped thingy, your Solex, and you can go on the on the bicycle paths. Okay. The other kinds of scooters disappeared from the world markets, except for the Netherlands. And the scooter manufacturers realized they were making just special versions of their scooters and, and uh, light motorcycle vehicles just for the Dutch market, which didn't make any sense. So they were building a special class of vehicle just for this tiny country. About, was enough to about support what it. year or when was when was this? Uh... This was early 2000s. Okay, okay. Okay, not that long ago. Yeah. Somebody got the brilliant idea, and it was a brilliant idea. Let's just stop building special vehicles. We'll make exactly the same 50cc scooter, but we'll put a restrictor on them. And they started producing what they call a snore scooter. Snore is purring. Yeah. It's a, it's a Dutch word for yeah. purring like a cat does. So they made what they call these, these low-speed scooters. But in actuality, technically speaking, they were precisely the same vehicle. So all you had to do was pull the restrictor off, and they would go 50, 60, 70 kilometers an hour, just like the regular scooter. And when you say restrictor, are you talking about something on the motor? Yeah, at first they had carburetors, now they're fuel injected. They just had a little thingy on the motor. Okay. 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 Let's say we could make it as an obvious red plastic thingy that you could just remove. Okay. For example. Yeah, okay. Which is the, the fact of how it actually works. So... Everybody figured out immediately, wait a minute, the regular version that I put a yellow license plate on and the other version I put a blue license plate on are precisely the same vehicle, except one of them comes with a certificate saying you can go on the bicycle path and the other one doesn't. So pretty much sales of the fast scooter stopped. Everybody was buying the low-speed scooters and the scooter shops would even advertise that they would sell it to you with the restrictor removed. Oh my goodness. <laughs> okay. So you could ride around without your helmet, and you go screaming along the bicycle paths at 60 kilometers an hour. It basically becomes up to the police to stop you and actually check your vehicle. And they actually have to okay. bring a dynamometer along. And you see, do see this occasionally. Yeah. They start checking scooters. But the police aren't terribly interested in doing this. And so every now and then, um, somebody says, okay, we're going to do the scooter checking. And they do this for a few days, and they set up a couple of roadblocks, and they confiscate half a dozen scooters. Yeah. And the authorities are satisfied, and all goes back to normal. So this, so this happened not because any particular law changed. It, they kind of snuck it in. Was, it was a sneaking into a loophole, yeah. an old, obsolete law. Yeah. And this is the problem, this is the point that the press has been missing about this whole thing the whole time. So Amsterdam... And a couple of the major cities have this issue. 
The political force wants to change it. That's not an issue. That's not the problem. The issue now is that changing it has to be done at a national level. It's the vehicle code that's the problem. Okay. Not city codes. Not city codes. Yeah. The city can't do anything. Okay. So the city has made several attempts at banning the fast scooters or the fast scooters with slow scooter plates, yes. basically is what it comes down to, yeah. from the bicycle paths. But every time they get struck down because they're basically violating the vehicle code. And the national government says, no, the problem is enforcement. You're not enforcing. And the city says, well, but it's impossible to enforce. Something like 95% of the scooters have been modified, if not more. Wow. Um, there have been several studies. Uh, one was by the Feetzer's Bond, and a couple of them were independent. And they all show that between 95 and 100% of scooters on a given moment, if they just put a radar gun onto a bicycle path, all of the scooters are exceeding the speed limit. What is, what is the actual speed limit? It's 25. 25, okay. Okay. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, 25 just... is a, a fairly brisk pace on a, on yes. a, on a city yeah. bike. Yeah. So if you're riding your city bike at a fairly brisk pace and a scooter passes you fairly quickly, yeah. they're speeding. Yeah. That's 100% of scooters. Have yeah. you ever passed a scooter? Never. Never. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 100% of scooters yeah. are speeding all the time. Basically. Yeah, I don't even need a radar gun. I can tell you that all the scooters are regularly going faster than that. Right. Bike lane. Everybody knows yeah. that. Okay. Everybody in the cities knows that. Yeah. So the national government says, yes, city of Amsterdam, you have a problem, but your problem is with the police and enforcement because these people are basically following the law. Or the people are not following the law. The law fits. Okay, They're ignoring the fact, or there's a lobby to the effect of maintaining the status quo of the law, because it's very profitable for the scooter companies. Scooters yes. are infinitely more attractive if you can ride them without a helmet on on bicycle paths and park them on the sidewalk. Right? Yeah. As long as your vehicle Absolutely. is not classified as a vehicle... It's, you're going to sell more of those vehicles. It's yeah. great. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's extremely pleasantly convenient to be a menace on the bicycle pass and on a scooter. Yeah. It did lead to an increase of scooter sales then. Oh, then. Uh, scooter sales have mushroomed. Thousands of percents. Yeah. Absolutely. The number of scooters have increased um, by, uh, by lo logarithmically, basically. Yeah. yeah. So this, this makes sense then. This explains why for years now we've been told Amsterdam is going to outlaw scooters in the bike lane, effective January 1st, whatever year, and then that and then comes and nothing happens. And it gets struck down and every yeah. time. Okay. Yeah. So they're trying to work around this now on the local level, but every plan they come up with turns out to be impossible or unworkable or unenforceable. The latest version is, fine, we'll have to do it locally. We allow, we're allowed to declare certain streets to be, or certain bicycle paths to be off-limit to scooters of all kinds. Okay. Okay? But they still have to take, you know, safety and lives into account. So they can't force the half-dozen remaining legal snore scooters onto highways <laughs> and things like that. Right. right? So okay. if you start working it out, it becomes a logistical nightmare. Yeah. And again, an enforcement issue. If we have scooters riding through the parks willy-nilly, who says anybody's going to enforce them on all those confusing connections between here I have to ride on the bicycle path and here I have to ride on the road? Right, and right. Am I going to carry a helmet and then put it on when I go on the road? How does it all work? Yeah. It becomes a, a nightmare. Right. 
Why won't? Why can't the law be changed at a national level? Besides, um, yeah, because nobody lobby. sees it as an issue outside the big cities. They don't see it as an issue, or, or is it that other outside of the Netherlands, they don't want it to change, or, and outside of Amsterdam, sorry, they don't want it to change. Other other cities are. I think it's towns. a non-issue. That's my guess. It's just an. It's just real, not really an issue. You have uh, in the countryside. I'm. I'm a, still a, a cyclist, so I'm riding all over the country. You don't really have a problem. You have big, wide bicycle paths that cut through the farmland. You ride along, and every now and then a scooter goes speeding by. It's not a problem. Right. I mean, we are looking at this absolutely from a, yeah. a cyclist perspective here. Right. What is the, what's the other side saying? It's dangerous for them to go on the road? Well, I don't know. I've never ridden one. <laughs> Yeah, on the bike path, it's fairly safe, but take that thing without your helmet onto the uh, street. They're not the best handling vehicles. They just do this. So is that an issue at the national level, that they are worried about that? I guess, no, I guess not. Because, first of all, street conditions here are extraordinarily safe. I compared, looked at some statistics, the, the death rate here on the, on the roads is like a tenth of the U.S., it's, for, for motorcyclists. For, or for, for any traffic in general. Wow. For everybody. Okay. Um, better education, better road conditions, better enforcement of vehicle codes and inspection, everything. Far better infrastructure, light, light systems, signaling systems, everything. Is it also because people are spend less time driving and more time cycling here? I mean, mm, No, I wouldn't think so because it's per... Those are generally measured in per distance traveled or per hour okay. on okay. the road. Yeah. So that would, that would okay. factor that out. Okay. Cycling wow. is also enormously safe, in this country at least. Yeah. There are six bicycling deaths per year on average in, in Amsterdam. In Amsterdam. There's six too okay. many. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. But Considering the, how many the cyclists average there are, that's amazing. person, including the infirm the elderly and children too young to ride bicycles. The average person in Amsterdam rides two and a half kilometers a day. Actually, I'm, I'm using statistics from a few years ago. Okay. They may have changed a little bit. But two and a half kilometers per day. There are about 800,000 residents. If you do the math, you figure out that you, you have a chance of getting killed on a bicycle mm-hmm. something like once every 30,000 years. Wow. <laughs> okay? Yeah. Basically, it's, it's yeah. outrageously safe to ride a bicycle. Yeah. Cycling is safer than bathing, it's safer than walking downstairs. Um, especially here in... Especially. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I didn't think of it in that, in that light. But, uh, I mean, that's probably one of the more dangerous things we have defying <laughs> stairs here. So going back to the scooter, it just seems, the scooter law, it just seems to me like if it really is it's a problem in the big cities, it doesn't really make sense to me why at a national level it still wouldn't be a priority because I don't see what's stopping it besides are there scooter lobbyists here. I'll be quite honest. I don't know. <laughs> there must be a scooter, well, a motor manufacturer, motor vehicle manufacturer yeah. lobby. It's in any country. You know, it's, politics are fairly honest here, but we still have special interests. Yeah. We have businesses and we have governments and, you know, yeah, they talk. Money talks. Okay. So um, clearly it's in their interest they that industry industry will die basically if that law is changed yeah so obviously somebody is going to try to maintain that law right 
but that's, depend on that. That also seems like a fairly, I don't know, obvious point of, of corruption then within the the government then if they, if they would value that over, you know, the safety of... Yeah, but somehow what seems to come out of all these things is is that at the national level, it's just not seen as an issue. I'm not an insider to know how that mechanism is working. Yeah, okay. That's just that's what's happening. That's what's yeah. happening. It has to yeah. change at a national level. It is level seen as a big city problem. So this is we have these complaints in Utrecht, in Rotterdam, in Amsterdam, and a couple other places, and the rest of the country doesn't seem to see it as an issue. Okay. You mentioned uh, it being a class issue as well. That's very it's become, interesting. Yeah, sure. The, and you said that more educated ride bikes. You would, you would, you would, you would first think it's the other way exactly, around. Like the poorer exactly. would ride the bicycles and the wealthier would ride the scooters. But it's the other way around. That's a very interesting aspect. Of I, I have a friend who, he's called the cycling professor, and he studied many of these things. And he's debunked most of the theories about why this should be true. Um, one of the theories is, well, people with less money live further outside the center of the city, so it makes sense that they would choose scooters. They're riding longer distances. I always assumed that to be the case. He says, no, that's not true. Not the case. Not the case. Not the case that they... They do, live, they do, they, they live do tend to live further yeah, away, okay, but he okay. somehow... That's not why they're buying scooters. No. He, he claims that it's not the explanation. He says it basically just comes down to being a, a status and attitude thing. There's okay. no other good explanation. All the other issues basically factor out in the end. Yeah. If you look at the distances traveled, um, it comes down to a class thing, an education thing. Does that make it difficult to talk about then? Like of course. In politics? Of course it does. It becomes uh, not, not PC anymore. Right. Because you're talking about the Moroccan kids or something like that. And of course, it's far broader than that at this point. That's it would be ridiculous to reduce it to that, but it's easy to accuse somebody. Right. If they start complaining about the scooter people, you say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know, you're being racist. You don't like Moroccans or something like that. It's an easy accusation to throw out. Is, is no, that, it's not true. That has also been been debunked. It's not necessarily an immigrant thing. Like people who, who come in, because I can imagine if you come from a culture that biking is not mm -hmm. common, but scooters are, yeah. that would be your preference. Oh, it's a, it, I think it's a tendency. I'm not quite sure of it, actually, that, that yeah. the, I don't, know what we, I don't know what the PC term for it is, but the immigrant populations here Cycle less, okay, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah, but you certainly see plenty of white folks on scooters too. Yeah. So, do you know where this this issue is right now? The current status is it still just stuck the, in limbo? The last I saw, there was a plan for where the scooters would be allowed to go and not. And um, somebody directed me to this website that supposedly had this whole plan on it, but all it was online was simply a, uh, a map of all the bicycle paths in Amsterdam. Oh, there was okay. no meaningful information to <laughs> no be gleaned from it. There. Yeah. there was no okay. plan that I could get from it, unless I didn't understand the interface or something like that. Okay. I think it's going to be a constant fight. I don't think it's going to work. That's my guess. It's, it's failed several times. Yeah. It'll come down to enforcement again. They'll try. They'll, they'll put something into action. It's not going to work. In the end, somebody's going to have to go fight the uh, vehicle code. They're going to have to change the vehicle code. Yeah. It is, an, it is, in fact, an obsolete vehicle code. And somebody's going to have to own up to that fact. Whether they're avoiding it or people don't understand that, I don't know. Whenever the issue gets discussed in the press, they just avoid the, 
the glaring elephant in the room that the vehicle code is outdated. There's not, it's just not mentioned. No, it's, it's never mentioned. They missed the point. So you can argue about the practicalities of all of it, but the, the low-speed scooter is a unicorn. It doesn't exist. So we're, we're, we have a law based on a vehicle that doesn't exist, aside from the handful of old ladies who still have their old, old lady motorized bicycles. You can count them on your hands in the city now. Yeah. They're gone. Well, so then, but then what about the um, electric bikes that now, they still just count as bicycles. They're not a special There's class. There's two so classes of electric bicycles. Oh, there are two, there are classes. Okay. In the same way. How do they factor? You have those? plain old e-bikes, mm-hmm. slow e-bikes. They're just bikes. You don't need any license for them. You need anything, anything. Yeah. No insurance is not necessary and so on. And then you have what they call speed pedelecs. These are the fast ones you come across. Yeah. Ride past you. <laughs> Those actually fall roughly under the law of the fast scooters, not the slow scooters. Wow. So they, they have mandatory helmets. Theoretically, they're not allowed in the parks and stuff either. Mm-hmm. But of course, nobody's checking. Right. Theoretically, they shouldn't be allowed on bicycle paths. I don't know how that's yeah. working, but they have made some exceptions for e-pedelecs, e-speed pedelecs. I've heard from many people that over... You know, the last 10 years or so, there has been a, a very noticeable increase in the number of bikes in Amsterdam. Absolutely. Um, so you, you... Unfortunately, there's been more of an increase in the number of bikes in Amsterdam than the number of cyclists in Amsterdam. Oh. But both have increased. Okay, wow. It's just the number of bikes has increased exponentially. In the, uh-huh. And people the are having of, are owning a lot more bikes themselves. No, people are abandoning a lot more bikes. Ah, okay. <laughs> okay. But okay. You, 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 you want to talk about the... Cyclists. The cyclists actually on the road. Absolutely. Including tourists, because that's even something I've noticed since in the six years I've that been is, here. I never thought that I could get annoyed at cyclists. But the last couple of summers, it is finally getting out even of hand. Even you, yeah. Even me. You can't be a bigger promoter of cycling and lover of cycling than I am. And getting through the city now, especially getting through the city with kids on their own bicycles, yeah. can just be a nightmare. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I love the fact that Bands of Italians and Israelis and Americans and English are coming over here and experiencing cyclists themselves. Yeah. But damn, it can be annoying. Yeah. <laughs> annoying and nerve-wracking. Yes. To ride with yeah. your six-year-old in your right hand while having to get through just hordes of rental bikes. Yeah. But it isn't even just the tourists. Um, even if you took the tourists out. No, 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 absolutely. But is there going to be a point where there's too many... Cyclists, like no, no, you don't, you're not worried about that. I'm not worried about that. Okay, even even though yours. Let me give you an example of why. Okay, <laughs> every morning we would turn to go to school onto the Klerkstadt, and we would stop at the Nassaukala. Yeah, right at that intersection, we would sometimes at quarter after eight in the morning have to wait through three or four signals to get through that light. Bicyclists piled up. There'd be a hundred cyclists waiting for that light. Yeah. There. Next to us is the uh, car road. Car road has to be a certain width to fit a car yeah. or a truck or a fire truck. There'll be two cars waiting there next to a hundred bicyclists. So are we going to run out of room for the bicyclists? No, of course not. Somebody's going to have to make the decision at some point. You know what? It's ridiculous to have a road for cars in this place. So we'll look at all the roads that run east-west, for example, and every third one will just become the bicycle road or something like that. Okay, so you, okay. you think the infrastructure will then change even more dramatically yes. 
to deal with it. Absolutely. Okay. And it's, it's a constantly moving target. Yeah. But um, they will actually have to start taking space from automobile traffic. Yeah. And giving it to bicycle traffic. Yeah. Like actual roads, not, um, not just a bike path here and there and squeezing it in and making the combining a bike path and a tram and things like that. They're actually going to have to make car road width bicycle paths. And that will happen. The, the Leidsestadt, for example, was a car road and it was terrible. And then in the 70s, started, people started protesting actually. They started building some special bicycle infrastructure. Some places became pedestrian oriented and so on. And of course, all of the, the local retailers were up in arms. How will our customers get here? This comes up every single time yeah. in every yeah. country. Yeah. And of course, every single time they're proven wrong because when you make the place more accessible by actual humans, right. <laughs> not humans in cars, many more people can reach them. Right. And it becomes more, more desirable and pleasant and everything works. This always works. Okay, well, you're, you're a dad. You mentioned what's your um, bicycle situation. I'm assuming you ride one of your own bikes. I ride, of course. <laughs> my, my wife rides a work cycles crate. I ride a work cycles freight. We share them. Uh, my kids are six and eight now. Okay. So my son is almost always on his own bike unless it just happens to be convenient for him to jump on one of our bikes. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter, just 18 months younger, is a terrible bicyclist. It's... it's <laughs> It's a nightmare riding with her through the city. Yeah. She is still in fairy tale land. She's not paying attention. And it's totally scary. You have to have a hand on her at all times. Yeah. And she's six. She's six. So then is she on the, you, do you have her on the front of your bike or in the She back? rides in front of me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She, she rides on a little saddle behind my hand. Yeah. Every morning I ride her to school and we chat. You know, yeah. she's, she's between my arms and I think... That's probably one of the only times that I can have a solid conversation with my daughter. Yeah, yeah. That's our papa-daughter time, basically. That's a really lovely way to, uh, I think, parent, be a parent in the city and be a kid. Absolutely. Yeah. Cycling was already my my world, and it became exponentially better when I could ride with kids. It was so wonderful. Riding with babies, yeah, it's fantastic. And and also, you develop cyclists. Okay, I'll admit it didn't work with my daughter somehow, but my son. <laughs> well, not yet. Not yet. She's got, okay. She's she'll still she'll, not. she'll get it. <laughs> yeah. it's, 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 it's her personality quirk, we'll say. But my son has been riding on the road since he's about three years old. Yeah, he's grown up with this. He's been sitting in front of me with his eyes maybe ten centimeters, twenty centimeters lower than mine. Yeah, going about the city there. Hence the expression: Dutch kids are or kids in the Netherlands are born on bikes. Yeah, they're they're. At nine months, yeah. they're sitting in the seat. So is that actually regulated? For Like nine months is when they can sit in the front. Nothing's regulated. Nothing's regulated. That's not actually. Cycling in the Netherlands is basically a free-for-all. Certainly in the big cities. Even when it comes to babies and bikes. Even when it comes to babies. There so are is no, there official, an official law at all? Not that I'm aware of. And I'm the guy designing and building okay. child-carrying okay. bicycles. Yeah. I am not aware of. Any, besides basic standards, crash testing standards and things like that, no. Okay. There is no law here about exactly which child can sit in which seat. There are laws saying that a child has to sit on some kind of seat, that you shouldn't have your infant balanced over your handlebars. Right, right. Okay. (laughs) Right. So then technically even sitting on the um, 
like the rack on the back? Is that technically not then considered a seat? If you stick a cushion on there and some footrest, it's, it's a seat. <laughs> yeah. If, you're, if your yeah. kid's butt is sitting on there, it's a seat. Okay, so... I don't think in a city in the Netherlands you would ever, ever have an issue with police or the law. Um, a baby in, in a, a small this town. This comes up a lot. It comes up a lot. Um, I'm Not actually illegal. It's probably a gray area. Mm, okay. It may it may be illegal because it's not an official not seat. A seat. But okay. will you have an issue with the law? Maybe not. Never. So then, if someone came in and they're pregnant mm-hmm. and they're asking uh, when, or they have a yeah, brand new baby, a newborn, mm-hmm. and they're saying, "When can I put this baby on a bike?" Our our, our answer is, um, if you want to ride a regular type of bicycle, about nine months. Yeah, and that's okay. and you're the manufacturers from a... say nine months. Okay. My experience with my own two kids and half a million customers' kids is not a whole lot of kids are really ready for that much under nine months. Okay, okay. but that's all Kids are a... pretty floppy yeah. until around then. They're exactly. kind of ball, ball of jelly, yeah. you know? So it's from yeah, a practicality it's... standpoint, not a legal standpoint. Correct. Okay. That is all very interesting. <laughs> yep. Definitely. Wow. And then the little saddle behind the handlebars um, from around two. It was quite young, actually. So basically, very young, yeah. if you only have one child, they can always sit in front with the right bike. I think when it comes to kids, mm-hmm. um, the other things we worry about are feet getting caught That's in the problem. back Absolutely. of the, the um, bike, yeah. the, in the spikes. I, I, I get angry every time I see usually a papa with a kid sitting on the back with no foot protection on the back whatsoever yeah. and, and yeah. feet dangling. But I can't. Count the number of times somebody's come in here with a story of how the kids' toes got caught in the rear wheel. Yeah. You don't have to buy anything fancy to fix that problem. Wrap duct tape around your fender. (laughs) I don't care, okay? Just put something on there. Yeah. What do you chalk that up to? Like, uh, the the risk? um, I know better. Yeah. yeah, I know better. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's risk risk evaluation. People understand that cycling is incredibly safe right. and that's true yeah it's the flip it side still of it sucks the, to get your kids yeah. toes or foot caught in a wheel i think that that is the flip true. side of the we're so safe that we ignore risks. you ignore risks we ignore risk well, yeah definitely yeah rather, and you just can't you can't even yeah. recognize that there are actually risks involved yeah. it doesn't mean that bicycling is dangerous yeah. just there are risks involved exactly yeah. you know put a decent stand parking stand under your bike so it doesn't fall over with your kid it's another one that happens all the time yeah okay that has happened to me that's happened yes. to a lot of people <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well should we, shall we discuss helmets another time because i think <laughs> that could be an, an entire other yeah, um, sure. interview any other interesting fact advice anything you want to offer our audience that, about cycling in amsterdam that... okay if i'm going to add anything it's just that Bicycling is its such a wonderful thing here. It's such a fantastic part of your existence in Amsterdam. Make it a pleasure. For all the things we spend money on, a bike is cheap. And there is the risk factor of theft. Okay, you can insure a bike here and riding a good bike that actually fits you, that works properly, that is designed for your needs. It's a joy. You know, it's, yeah. it's a cheap joy in your life compared to vacations and fancy kitchens and cars or anything else in your life. And even with more bikes on the road, I think... More uh, bikes on the road makes it more pleasant. 
Right. Well, I think I'm with a million bicycles on the bicycle path, even with the with the motor scooter problem, they aren't going anywhere. If the bike paths are completely filled with bicyclists, there's not going to be any point riding a scooter on those bike paths. More bicyclists is never the problem. Yeah. More bicyclists is the solution. Yeah, well, I was going to say, even with some of the headache of yeah. things being crowded, it still doesn't take away from the fact that it's just a really lovely and pleasant way to... It's great, to even in this yeah. busy city. <laughs> right, right, you know, exactly. I, I almost <laughs> always enjoy my time on a bicycle. Yeah. There's the time with the, the freezing hail, <laughs> you know, and these things. But, yeah, you know, like, you know, like they say, what doesn't kill you makes you strong. Exactly. <laughs> we have a lot of opportunities for that here. <laughs> well, thank you. This has been really fascinating. Thanks for having me. You can find Henry and his crew at Work Cycles in the Jordan, or check out their website, workcycles.com, for a sampling of their custom-built bikes, and to read Henry's blog, where he's been writing about all things cycling since 2007. That's all for this episode and for this season. Catherine and Nursa will be back with Season 5 in August, while I'll be unpacking in Seattle, Washington. And I just want to take a minute to say thank you to our listeners and our community. It's been amazing for the past two years. We've only ever had positive support and feedback from our listeners, despite the fact that I had no business starting a podcast in the first place. So for being a rather unpolished and imperfect podcast, which is a fitting way to end our season on imperfection, I just want to say thank you to everyone and talk scenes. To comment on this or any other episode, you can go to the Amsterdam Mamas podcast Facebook page, and we also would love to hear your crazy biking stories. All the resources and websites mentioned in this episode can be found on our show notes posted there as well. We'd also like to thank Henry Cutler for being our guest today, and thank you to Catherine Nines for editing this episode, Roberta Borgognoni for the transcription help, and the Amsterdam Mamas team, and of course, our director, Emmy McCarthy, for support. Thanks to all of you for listening. We'll be back. There went 128. A bird pooped on us. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> ew, ew, ew. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> How did that happen? I don't know.